Welcome to Money Self Made, a show where I interview remarkable people about how to master your money and lead a more meaningful life. Today's guest is a Forbes featured leadership and life coach, Stephanie Toma, who is also a certified hypnotherapist and author of the best selling book, Confident Introvert. Stephanie is renowned for helping professionals lead with what they want and demand the recognition they deserve, whether that's getting a raise or a promotion. We dive into what it's like being an introvert in an extroverted world and all of the ways that you can make that work for you and not just survive, but thrive as an introvert in places like the workforce. By the way, our episode today comes with a free gift from our guest. If you stay all the way to the end of this episode, you will get a free gift from our guest today and it's worth it. So make sure you watch or listen all the way through. Before we get started, please remember to smash that like button if you're watching on YouTube. And if you're not watching on YouTube, you definitely should be. Just search Money Self Made on YouTube if you wanna watch the actual video of this episode. And please remember to subscribe wherever you're listening. We're on all of the major podcast channels from Spotify to iTunes. We thank you so much for tuning in. And without further ado, please help me welcome Stephanie. Way because you're an introvert, is that right? Yes, yes. So basically, um, a common misconception about introversion is that you're necessarily shy or lacking in confidence. It's unrelated. So, when if you identify as an introvert, it means that you most typically get your energy from solitude, whereas an extrovert more likely gets their energy from socializing. Mm. I believe that. You know, once I found that out, I tell people I'm an introvert and they don't believe me because I'm so bubbly. But it's if I have, for example, like a nine to five job at, at in the office, at the end of the day, I am so unbelievably drained um, from just like those open office layouts where we're like all chatting together constantly. So is that kind of what it is like to be an introvert? Is that an accurate experience? So yes, our energy reserves can be depleted by people. This isn't to say that some interactions with people can't enliven us, but it could be a little more dreamy at the end of the day. So it's kind of, I imagine the Energizer Bunny, you just keep on going until there's a wall and you think, oh, okay. Like it's unmistakable. You know, it's time to take a break or exit the com- the situation gracefully. So yeah, one of the ways that I, I combat that and recommend my clients combat that is something called the solitude sandwich. And so, okay. So it's, Essentially, let's imagine a sandwich here, whatever your filling of choices, that's the event. And then the bread on either side, that's time that you take for yourself. So your solitude, and let's say maybe in your average workday, you may not have the luxury of hour long Texas toast style pieces of bread with your peanut butter in the middle, right? So even five minutes to decompress, you know, take a stretch, go on a, on a walk around your home, uh, just doing something else that is not directly engaging socially to help keep your energy reserves higher than it would be if you didn't take those breaks. I really am excited to dig into your book. So you finished a book, which congratulations. Oh, that's yeah. huge. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> I love the cover. What does oh, it say? You. Let's read it. So Confident Introvert, a practical guide to connecting with others at networking events and beyond. Nice. Very cool. How did you yeah. know that you were an introvert? Like what was, when did you figure that out? So let's see, growing up, I was commonly referred to as being reserved. And there would be some people that would 
let's say, raise their hand right away and have a lot to say and necessarily want to be the center of attention. And that wasn't something that I really sought out. I didn't <clears throat> think much of it. And there were times when, let's say, I would be in a talent show singing or something. And even though in those moments I was the center of attention, it wasn't something that I really super wanted. It was just like, okay, like, <laughs> I'm okay with this. That was kind of how I approached it when I started hosting events in San Francisco. So I've hosted over 1,000 networking events over the years. I lived in San Francisco for about five years. And basically there was this interesting perception shift where when people met me, I would be referred to as an extrovert and someone who was very social, very outgoing, and I thought to myself, okay, I know that I have social grace, social fluency. However, I don't get my energy from this. Why do people think I get my energy from this? And I realized there was a huge misconception about what it means to be an introvert and about what it means to be confident. So that's where the title comes from. Um, putting these two seemingly unrelated words together because they can absolutely fit into the same person, into the same bucket. Uh, tell me more about this whole event series you're doing. I was invited to be the team captain my senior year and being in that leadership role and having a sense of purpose uh, enabled me and empowered me to bring people together through community and events and being that person that instead of wondering, wait, why am I lonely? Why does anyone want to hang out with me? Those are certainly thoughts that I had at a much younger age. Uh, I decided, wait, I want to be that person that brings people together for myself, but also for others, because I know what it's like to feel deeply lonely, right? So it, it kind of, it comes from wanting to flip the script. Uh, this is how life once was through my lens. And this is how it is now. And I also was on the board of directors of the Young Professionals of San Francisco and uh, got to be a part of those, of those networking events and also expanding the programming to be more focused on fun, but connecting not just with your typical networking. So we ended up hosting dance classes, speaker series, and things like that. What I love about you is that you are an entrepreneur and an introvert. And I always felt like my own introversion was kind of not only a barrier to like integrating into some office cultures, but also to promoting myself in the way that the entrepreneurial culture tends to. And it seems like it comes so natural to them. And when I do it, people think it's coming naturally to me. So mm -hmm. do you, I mean, as an entrepreneur and as somebody that coaches entrepreneurs, like what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. So when it comes to self-promotion, so this is mindset, right? So getting to a place where we are understanding the beliefs that we have around self-promotion and let's say our Imagine and think back to what is your earliest memory of someone promoting themselves and how did you feel when you heard or, or witnessed their, their self-promotion? Um, did you notice other people judging it? And then you decided to adopt that judgment as your own and just getting, or maybe you tried to talk about something you were proud of and someone shut you down. So that's been internalized. It's important to reflect on this. And, um, yeah, and kind of be begin to become a little bit more clear with, wait, what's the root of this, of this whole belief that self-promotion is necessarily bad because it, it's not, that's a judgment. And I could say that nothing is inherently good or bad. That's super philosophical, but when it comes to self-promotion, 
there, there are certainly ways to go about it that feel more authentic and that feel better. So I know when I come at, let's say posting about an award that I got, or let's say a speaking opportunity that I'm excited about pops up, think reframing it in terms of, okay, I'm sharing and by me shining my light and saying, oh, isn't this cool? This thing's happening. Uh, I'm allowing other people to, sure, some people could be jealous, uh, but then some people could be inspired by it because you can't be what you don't see. So by me being visible, I, I've really reframed it over the years as, and you know, you can, I know I would always be called humble. Several years ago, people, um, friends, acquaintances would say, Stephanie, you're so humble. And I'd be like, oh, thanks. And you know what? People don't call me that anymore because I'm shining my light and it's okay. It's not about being humble. It's about being the highest expression of yourself. And, you know, it's a lot different than coming at it, seeking validation or wanting to be better or comparison. For me, it's not about that. It's just saying, okay, here's where I'm at on my journey. And maybe that comes along with sharing some of the lower moments or harder moments as well. So it's, so you're not sharing this pure highlight reel. That is so great. That is so well put. I love that. That that is inspiring. Thank you for sharing that. Are there any like top highlight moments or low moments that you've made public or talked about that you think are really important for people to know about your journey? Um, Just, you know, like the three-dimensional aspect of it Mm. as opposed to the Instagram highlight reel, right? Yes. Okay. So let's see. I will start with a couple of things I'm proud of. Definitely the book. I had to really throw caution to the wind and say, okay, I'm going to talk about my book all the time because I'm excited. It's something that I put a lot of time, energy, and effort into, and I know that it helps people. So it's one of those things where I'm like, all right, it's it's life goal that, that I've now done. And I can absolutely see myself writing more books and further defining, you know, what that sort of mark in the literary world looks like. And again, yeah, being led by that excitement. And so I'd say a couple of examples of, so that's a highlight of low lights would probably include, I've gotten a lot more comfortable in, uh, in recent years being open about being open about the fact that I've been fired before. Right. That's a good one to talk about because (laughs) I think everybody has, (laughs) no one talks about it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, you hear stories of people who let's say they have a background at, of being at these fortune 50 companies and they say, Oh, you know, they just wanted me to be there so much and they try to give me more money. And then I ended up going to another job that paid me 50% more and I still wasn't happy. And then, you know what? I decided to be an entrepreneur. So there's one story and I think it's great. It's, it's really awesome that people have that story. It's not my story. (laughs) It's, it, my story is rooted in, um, being true to myself and let's say speaking up. If I don't think that things are completely, um, ethical maybe, and maybe that's not taken the right way, but even if you're, if you're rejected for those reasons, when you are standing in your truth in a respectful way, then guess what? There's something better for you. And it, it's about just thinking back and understanding that, okay, in, in let's say the, the situation that's coming to mind now, 
I was open, honest, composed, and solution-oriented. And if, if you're not going to be met with that in return, you know, it, it's one of those things. So I, I think I've gotten more, more sort of uh, public about this because I vividly remember early on in my networking journey, uh, I was probably around 21 at the time, I went to this event and I asked this woman about what she was up to. Oh yes, hello. <laughs> no worries, what's your cat's name? Her name is Mocha and she likes to make an appearance in every podcast. Mocha. Yeah, Mocha's got the cameo. I totally understand. I appreciate this. She does. There's a Mocha cameo in every one. You can like get a prize if you spot all 10 of them or Ooh. something. I need to start doing yeah. something like that. But you're on a brilliant train of thought. I'm sorry, oh, Mocha yeah. interrupted yeah, no you. Okay. So we will pick up where we left off. So okay. I, I'm at this networking event, early 20s, and I'm speaking with this woman and she seems confident enough. And then I ended up asking her just about, oh, what are you up to these days? Just, I'm not a fan of what do you do? So I just kind of keep it open-ended. And she says, oh, well, I'm, I recently started my own consultancy. And then I innocently asked, what inspired you to start that? And her whole demeanor shifted. And I was like, uh-oh, that's not a great question. And then I, I felt like I needed to console her. And I said, oh, you know what? you don't have to answer that. If it's personal, don't worry about it. And, and I just, I steer the conversation in, in a new direction because I'm not in the business of making people cry with questions like that. So, uh, and then, you know, I connected the dots because later on in my journey, people would ask me and I was like, Ooh, that's where the shame comes from. If it, if let's say you were either fired, let go, your position was eliminated. It, it doesn't matter sometimes exactly why something ends. And sometimes we even know this is not the best place for me, but we would like to have, <laughs> our ego would like to have been able to say, oh yeah, I, I left that toxic situation. But sometimes those situations leave us for whatever reason. It could be personal. It could be just, you know, checking a box and, oh, the, the corporate decision from the highest of the highest made this choice. And you're just like, all right, where do we go from here? So just, yeah, thinking back to that memory of that woman's shame and considering the fact that I felt some shame about the experience as well. And, you know, if I, since I am in the business of transformation, life coaching, leadership coaching, this is something that I don't feel shame about anymore. And one of the reasons why is because I'm open about it. I don't view that rejection as an indication of my inherent worth or the value that I bring. Just because, let's say, someone or even a team of people don't see the value, it doesn't mean that it's not there. That is such a wonderful story. I've, I'm just inspired by talking to you right now. Now I want to like go tell the world about all of my biggest failures because you're so right. I, I mean, that's why I wanted to start a podcast about money because there's a lot of shame around that topic. And I think that if we just shine some light on it, um, people will talk about it more. And I think that'll be healthier than, you know, most of the country being in massive amounts of debt and buying things they don't need, et cetera. So that's beautiful. I love that. Thank you. Yeah. And, and it, you know, it comes th this whole concept of sharing things like that. And it's actually kind of opened the door for me to then dig a little bit deeper because I would say that most people's, let's say story that's kind of triggering to share as an adult, let's say that someone's struggling with addiction or instability in some area of their life, whatever it may be. 
it typically stems from something childhood based. So that's a lot of the work that I have done with myself, trauma work, and also with my clients, um, getting to the root of where these issues come from and why certain things are become a pattern or why certain things we feel so deeply, even though we logically don't understand it. Ooh, I love that. That's so interesting. And you do um, hypnotherapist stuff as well. I would love to hear more. Yes. Okay. So I'm a leadership and life coach and hypnotherapist. So I use hypnotherapy as a modality with my clients to help us dig deeper, to fully understand, wait, what, what's the problem here? And, and where did it come from? Is it really a problem? So, um, so yeah, I would say if your listeners, viewers are wondering, okay, what the heck hypnotherapy? Is it when someone is on a stage and it's safe grad night and they're being asked to bark like a dog and they do it? Okay. What, how is that helpful? (laughs) So that's one interpretation of hypnotherapy, stage hypnosis. However, when hypnosis is conducted in a therapeutic sense, uh, this is something that um, I've undergone hundreds of hours of training for. And I would highly recommend that if you are interested in hypnosis, that you don't necessarily, let's say, read a self-help book and say, oh, I can do it. It's, it's something that, you know, it is worth um, going to a professional for because it can be very deep and extremely helpful. So essentially what you're doing is bypassing what you consciously know, and um, you can, through these different techniques that occur within, within hypnosis, you can reframe beliefs and uncover reasons for existing beliefs. So let's say there's, it's called a trunk issue. So let's say this is something that's externally visible. Let's say that you're breaking out in rashes. Let's say that you Uh, you all of a sudden uh, have this nervous habit of scratching your thumb, or let's say that you're smoking nonstop, you're chewing gum nonstop, you know, there can be these manifestations of anxiety that take physical forms that are then noticeable to yourself or others that prompt, wait, maybe you should check on that. When that's the trunk. And then the core, the root issue is usually it's emotion-based and it's only manifested over time into a physical form. Wow. I love, I love that. And I just want to do a quick disclaimer. So, I mean, you and I are both authors. I wrote a book um, a couple of years ago called Conquer Your Mind, and it's about affirmations. And I designed this like life that I wanted at the time. Mm -hmm. And I thought it was completely woo-woo. Like I barely believed what I was writing. Mm -hmm. And now I can say three years later, all of those things have come true in the weirdest, wildest, craziest ways. Like I would have never predicted like the universe played a giant joke on me. My new husband being very much one of them. So I am a huge advocate of this. Like it's the only thing I can point to as somebody who's very tactical often as actually any credit to my success. And um, a big part of that has been, there's this thing called the easy way by Alan Carr. Have you ever heard of it? Not yet. I would highly recommend checking it out. It's how I was able to quit smoking and drinking Mm. cold turkey without 
looking back. Um, both are books that are based a lot on that sort of idea of what you're talking about, though. Um, I really believe that sometimes it's like there's a splinter of wood under the skin and all this sort of scar tissue heals upon it. And like, you don't know why there's that that bump or that pain mm-hmm. there. So um, huge advocate of hypnotherapy. Also, Scott Adams, are you familiar with him as at all? You know, not reading about, but tell me more. I'll send you, I'll send you his stuff. It's, he's big on hypnotherapy in a huge way. Uh, he's the Dilbert comic creator. And he says he put his principles of hypnotherapy into his comics. So I think you'll mm. dig it. He's a, he's, yeah. he's an eccentric guy, but it's. Uh, I mean, it's, hey, eccentricity, <laughs> let's celebrate it. Yeah. Right? You know, I'm such a, have you heard of Marissa Peer? No, tell me. Oh, so she, oh my gosh, she's one of the people that got me into hypnosis. She has a robust YouTube presence. So feel free, definitely try some of her tracks out. Okay. I think it's not necessarily a substitute for having your own individualized experience, but if you have a lot of awareness, let's say through existing therapy, it's something worth exploring. I love that. I must also introduce you to my friend CJ in Santa Cruz. He does a hypnotherapy app that I found worked for me. I'd rather have like a personalized session. You and I need to talk about rates at the end of all of this. But um, yeah, I think it's really effective. And maybe you guys can collaborate on on stuff that he's working on. And I'll definitely try your tracks. I'll put them in the show notes too, uh, if this makes the podcast cut. (laughs) Yes. Yay. Sweet. Okay, cool. So, I mean, why uh, life coaching? Why hypnotherapy? Why introverts? What was your calling for this? Yeah. So let's see. So basically, I, I've i really been dedicated to having a sense of self-awareness about different events in my life, different perceptions that I had of them, perceptions that I perceive other people had of them and flipping them over and questioning things. And, and also topics that can be perceived as a little bit as interesting and maybe a little bit out there. It intrigues me. I become curious. So for example, when I started my entrepreneurial journey, one of the entry points was this workshop that I curated called Networking for Introverts. Because at the time, much like the title of my book, networking was thought of this necessary evil. And a lot of people um, would say, oh gosh, I have to network, but it's so fake. I hate it. You know, that really strong language and this perception of it's something that you have to do, like those trips to the DMV or something, you know? So Basically, I I thought, hmm, what networking? Okay, I I think of networking differently. Of course, there is a stereotypical way that's like transactional. You help, you scratch their back, they scratch yours, and you help each other rise to the top by pushing other people down. And it's like, okay, no, I, I view networking as being synonymous with making friends and planting seeds. So it doesn't mean that when you have a conversation with someone, you're going to see a result right away where they're immediately helping something or you're immediately helping them right after they help you to be even. It's not about that. It's about having conversations when you don't need anything. So it's a lifestyle. Networking and especially authentic networking is a lifestyle where you're having conversations like the one we're having right now, where we're getting to know each other and there's no agenda like, oh, and then I'm going to da da da. You know, it's, it's one of those things where people grow and are involved in different 
aspects of business, let's say over time. So you're getting to know a version of someone at that point in time, and you never know how things will come back. Or it's, yeah, I, I think that that reframe has been so helpful for me. And that's something that I really drive home in the book, Confident Introvert, and also in that workshop. But yes, and then when it comes to hypnosis and hypnotherapy, I know I have an awareness that people do have their biases when it comes to what that means or what that looks like or how credible it is. And again, I find that interesting because I know that it works because it's worked for me when I was skeptical about it. <laughs> so that's a story in itself. Growing up feeling disconnected, becoming a community builder, for example, and enabling myself and others to have what I've always wanted in terms of community and connection and being a mentor for my clients like I wish that I had during certain periods of time. So for me, it's, it's always been about that full circle experience and constantly uh, being aware and open of ways to up-level my amount of contribution. Double click, let's double click on that story where you found this as a useful tool for you despite your skepticism and, and like what changed your mind. Yes. Okay. So I was at a leadership conference and I was not planning on it. I was, oh, I wasn't planning on going to that conference, but that's a different story. But I, I wasn't planning on going to a hypnosis session, but spoiler alert, I definitely went to that session. And here's the reason. So you're at this conference, right? And so for myself, I had anticipated going to all of the super, give me the hard facts, the business advice. I don't need to meditate. I can do that on my own. <laughs> so that was my mindset going in. And I ended up having lunch. Uh, so everyone, all the speakers and attendees would have lunch together, no name tags. And I sat next to this woman. We had a really great connected conversation at lunch. And what do you know, after lunch, she's on stage. She's one of the next presenters in our breakout sessions. And she says, hello, everyone. I highly encourage you to join me in a group hypnosis. And I thought, you know, that's not the same as the PR workshop I was going to go to. But I feel like I just spoke with her for an hour. She's a really cool person. I need to go to her session. So first of all, we had rapport built, which helps with trust, with, which helps facilitate having hypnosis work for you. Because if you have walls up and you're like, ah, oh, I'll believe it when I see it. I don't think this stuff is going to work. Guess what? It's definitely not going to work. So, uh, so I, I felt open to, hmm, what is this? Curious, again, being led by that sense of curiosity and non-judgment. And then I, I went into the room. There were about, you know, 25 of us. And I remember being led through the induction. That's the very beginning phase of the hypnosis. And it was undeniable. I, I was in a different state where I could feel a magnetic force between my hands when she said there was a magnet between my hands. And I was like, I was kind of scared actually, <laughs> because I knew, hmm, this is different. This is, it. yeah, this is definitely something different. But I, I was curious about how those tactics could be applied to being of service and being helpful because I knew, okay, there's some patterns that I've observed in my own life. Could this actually help? instead of going to another therapist where you talk about the same thing over and over. And maybe to me that 
hadn't been as helpful. So basically after that, I decided to hire my own hypnotherapist and identify some of the root causes of different patterns that I had been experiencing in my work and personal life and really demystifying them, deconstructing them, and also pursuing training uh, through the Hypnotherapy Training Institute to get to a place where I could help facilitate those sorts of transformations within other people. And yeah, in a nutshell, that's, that's how that happened. That is too cool. I really like that. I've actually, I wanted to become a certified uh, hypnotherapist in San Francisco for a minute there, um, but I wasn't there long enough to do that. Where you got trained, you got certified where again? At the Hypnotherapy Training Institute in Marin County. Oh yeah. Yeah. I think I checked them out. That's awesome. Yeah. Very cool. Well, I agree with you 100%. I mean, it's funny as Western-minded people, it's easy to pshaw things that aren't, you know, that seem more unconventional. But the truth is, is that these, like, for example, the statistics on placebo medication Mm -hmm. and how successful placebo medication is just in itself, right? Yeah. Shows how it's Have you regulated placebo? No, but I want to. Tell me more. I should have that. Oh, yeah. Okay. Cool. And I didn't mean to interrupt you if you had more to speak on that. No, you're fine. I finished my thought. I'm going to read it. That's awesome. I'll yeah. Put that in the show yeah. Notes. It's, it is amazing though. This whole concept of, wait a second, people say the placebo didn't work because the actual pill and the placebo both had a 15% success rate. It's like, excuse me. Then if that pill didn't work, then there, there's a 30% success rate of people's minds. <laughs> What? Yeah, that's pretty crazy. That is pretty crazy. I totally can get on board with that. Very nice. And so to introverts out there that um, want to be leaders or Mm -hmm. and or want to be confident, what would be the process, steps, or advice that you would give them? Yes. Okay. So knowing yourself deeply and not searching for answers or validation externally, although it can help boost us up sometimes, we're not going to stay elevated if we constantly need, if we're constantly looking for other people. Is this okay? And first of all, asking for permission to do the things you want to do in life. So for example, I decided, so my first public speaking opportunity by myself when I was presenting my workshop was given to me by a friend who had a meetup. She said, hey, I'd love to invite you to give a talk on something that you're an expert on. And that was a whole term. It threw me into a frenzy. Okay, what am I an expert on? What am I going to talk about? And I knew I wanted to take the opportunity. And then, you know, thinking back, I'm so grateful that she gave me that opportunity. But then I'm also like, wait a second. Okay, when I started my public speaking career, I actually didn't, I didn't really ask permission in the sense that I curated events. And when I curated the events, I was the MC or I was one of the speakers. So, I mean, that's one way around it. If you don't see an opportunity, go ahead and curate a panel and you can either be the moderator or give yourself a seat on the panel that you that you curate. So it's, it's kind of a roundabout way, but it can that can help give you confidence in yourself and other people can get confidence in you from, and you know what, I will say it takes more effort to curate the the whole event versus plugging yourself into a seat. But if you feel strongly about being more visible, not just for yourself, but for your mission and what you stand for. And again, 
let's take a step back. You need to know what you stand for in order to get to this place where you have the conviction and the energy to create opportunities for yourself. And you're going to get no's. You're going to get people saying, oh, I don't quite see that vision or, oh, that's like not for us. Uh, but it's going and saying, okay, thank you. And a no or an, a no is a not right now. You know, there are plenty of people that say no and it feels definitive, but guess what? Maybe a year from now, that person that said no doesn't work at that company anymore. And there's a fresh opportunity available to you. So not getting distraught by these temporary no's because you're guided by a greater conviction. And one of the drivers for me has been this, has been, I've, oh, okay. Has been being a total stand for connection that starts from yourself and extends to others to allow for you to rise into your leadership potential. So if you are beginning this journey, journaling, I cannot recommend journaling enough and having your own set of interests, having hobbies, please like make your life interesting for yourself. So uh, one of the the things that I can recommend. So this is a concept for my book, Confident Introvert. It's called the Daily 321. And this is a power hour where it's 30 minutes of reading. Read anything that you're interested in. And then it's followed by 20 minutes of journaling. And you can decide to give yourself a prompt or just free write. No judgment, writing nonstop for 20 minutes, anything and everything that comes into your mind. You can be surprised at maybe you begin to write something like, oh, I've been ruminating on this thought forever. This is, is pointless. And then as you keep going, there's a nugget of gold that you'd never realized until you started writing. And then you're going to top that hour off with 10 minutes of meditation. Because what I found for myself and my clients is that engaging in a regular meditation practice enables you to clear away the fog that keep you uncertain and lacking in confidence. So it's about doing that excavation, that groundwork to have a sturdy and healthy foundation for the house that you're building, which is your dream house, your dream life. Um, so yes, it, it, it's all about, it's not wanting to, to skip steps and be a leader. Okay, I'm just gonna step up and be a leader. But you know what? Sometimes because of imposter syndrome, it might feel like that. You might feel not prepared, but it doesn't mean, I mean, there are times when you may authentically not be prepared, but <laughs> I'm not talking about those times. It's like, no, when you know yourself and you know what you stand for, then giving yourself opportunities and accepting opportunities given to you to be visible and to lead. That, that would be my, my introduction. There's more where that came from, but the, those are the first steps. Oh, I love it. I could ask you about that all day. That's an, ex an excellent tip. I really want to get like a power hour challenge going in my Facebook group. So note to self, maybe Daily three, two, one. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good one. It's a good one. People can just watch me journal, but I'm going to invite you to my writer's group. I think you'll dig it for the journaling. Awesome. Yes. So, yes. And okay, cool. So because this is money self-made, I always like to do a part where we talk about the like obviously what you are up to, but then just sort of the part where you also became your own boss and founded your own company, which is so badass. Um, and, and sort of like what it's like to be an introvert in the corporate job world, but then also in the entrepreneur world. Um, so what's like, how did you get your book written? Tell me about that process a little bit. Yes. Okay. So the book writing process I always knew that I wanted to be an author and write a book, but I didn't know what it was going to be about. And maybe other writers can relate. You feel like 
this is my legacy. It needs to be the thing. It needs to be my, my everything. All of my nuggets of wisdom, everything that I stand for is in the book. And you know what? That can stifle any progress or any moment for momentum towards writing the book. So uh, what I did, first of all, was identify those limiting beliefs and was like, okay, no thanks. We're going to put you to the side. And what if writing a book wasn't necessarily going to be my only book, but it was a start. So instead of trying to look at a blank page and concoct characters and really start from scratch, I decided to ask myself, okay, what do I have pre-existing content on that I've written? And what I have already written um, about and been interviewed about and have webinar content on and blog content on was the topic of networking for introverts. Over the course of of at least a year, I, you know, I had toured it dozens of times across the nation internationally, and I had recordings, even if it was just audio of different Q and A's and of the actual presentations themselves. So I transcribed them. Yeah. So having those transcriptions and then also looking back at press mentions and even the press mentions that I submitted that were not picked up. I'm like, you know what, that can go in my book. That's fine. So copy and pasting, dumping them into a Google document and realizing, oh, I think at that point in time, uh, in the very beginning stages, I think I had about 26 pages, which, <clears throat> you know, you don't really talk in pages as as an author, because you know that a Google page is not the same as a paper book page or an ebook page. But I mean, I'll just say it was like 26 Google Doc pages, which is probably the equivalent of, of at least 40, 45 print pages. So it's like, okay, that, that's a good amount to begin with. And then I was able to, uh, it's called developmental ed editing. I went ahead and like puzzle pieces, move them around and then <clears throat> and then hired people to help because I realized that I didn't want people to look at my book and think this is self-published. It needs to be highly professional. It's a, it's a reflection of, of me. It's a, re a reflection of my career. And I want people to be helped by it. So, you know, so that meant I wasn't going to try to be an artist right away and, you know, draw my own cover. I wasn't going to assume that spell check was going to do the job. So uh, hiring a team, yeah, and delegation. And, and this can tie into to money mindset too. I'm sure we'll go there. Uh, understanding that what you invest comes back to you. Sometimes there can be this belief that what I invest into myself, what I invest into my business, my hopes and dreams, that's money gone. It's lost. Like, no, it, it can come back to you in monetary and non-monetary terms. Money is something that we ascribe value to. And when we're giving value, we have the opportunity to get value. And it's not always reciprocal. And sure, there are bad deals out there. But as long as you're tuned in, to your intuition and not being guided by, oh, I, sh I feel like I should do this, but I really don't want to. Um, but you're feeling like, okay, I don't know why, but this is a yes for me. And it feels right. And say, okay, I'm going to follow that.
I love that so much. That's definitely something we can dive into. I have always had a scarcity-ish mindset around spending on and investing in my business because of that sort of like everything's a scam or here's like the budget Mm. for the business. Uh, So did you ever have any negative or constraining scripts around money? And if so, how did you hurdle over them? Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> so it, it's one of those things. Yeah. We, let's say we can grow up with um, just as a sponge for different statements, like money doesn't grow on trees, or you have to work hard for your money, or, you know, all of these, these ideas that we internalize as being facts when really they're not facts. They're someone's interpretation based on their experience that perhaps perpetuates the reality because thoughts are constantly thought. So any other experiences that could be possible that pop up because it conflicts with those existing beliefs, they're shut down and they're not noticed or seen. Um, so yeah, having that knowledge, I have read so many money mindset books. I just finished a book called the energy of money. I've read the soul of money. Um, you are a badass with money. And one of my favorites is think and grow rich. It's a classic by Napoleon Hill. And, and then in addition to that, I also have a business coach, a holistic business coach that has been instrumental. She's also a hypnotherapist. So kind of like my deal, but she's way more established and, you know, just getting to that place where it's like, okay, I I thought that I would be that person. that's just going to pick herself up by the bootstraps and do everything myself when, okay, I could do things the hard way or. I can make investments in myself and then have more to give other people and myself. So now it seems like a no brainer, but it was a journey to getting there. I'm still on that journey, but if there's one uh, thing I would say that's a commonality between the most successful and wealthy people that I know, it's that they hire coaches for everything Mm -hmm. from, you know, nutrition to exercise to, you know, writing a book. I'm a book coach myself. So oh, nice. uh, yeah, yeah. I think it's so important. And um, I hope that in 2021, I can get past that one a little bit, but very cool. And yes, on all of those books, I have recently, I, I love the soul of money. Think and Grow Rich was my like gateway drug to self-help. Mm-hmm. And then oh, what is the other one? Psychology of Money was just recommended to me by okay. a friend. And I think that's going to be the book club pick of this month building your business and like, how long did it take you to kind of get up and running and feeling comfortable in that state? How has that transition for you? And again, sort of what's a, what's extrovert life in corporate America versus being self-employed? Is there challenges or um, drawbacks or better? Is it a better on one side or the other, I guess is the question I'm asking. Yeah. Okay. So I'll start with that question of, you know, the introvert extrovert debate who thrives in corporate America more and I would say that there isn't a clear-cut answer of, oh, well, if you're an introvert, then, you know, things aren't going to be good for you. Or if, if you're an expert, oh man, I'm sorry. No, that, that's not the conversation. Because again, one of the main takeaways of my book, Confident Introvert, is that, okay, sure, you're an introvert. It's not a handicap. So it, what it comes down to is confidence. People who are both confident and, please, competent <laughs> will do better in, in corporate America and, and having a growth mindset and understanding that being, that let's say, a rejection or a failure is not final. And communication, yeah, <laughs> striking that fine balance between having that open communication with tact 
And also, yeah, just observing patterns and kind of just, um, yeah, I, I think that's really important as well. And not being afraid to subtly manage up. Oftentimes managers, particularly new managers, can have a really hard time managing people because it's essentially another part of their job and they feel like, oh, am I, so now I'm supposed to be whole, be, be totally consumed with what you're doing. And that's why micromanagement can happen. So being ahead of that curve and managing up by, let's say, providing very consistent updates on how you're doing, what you're working on, any questions you have, and not necessarily, let's say, shooting questions all day, every single day, but maybe choosing to say, okay, let's say we'll have a meeting once a week and I'll go through my 10 questions then just making things easy. And, uh, and also, yeah, initiating those meetings and also in meetings, let's say when there's your team, even if you're not very senior, making sure that you have a voice in those meetings and when there's a call for questions that's open, if you do have an opinion or an idea, getting to a place where you feel like you can share those and that's not to be confused with extroversion, that's confidence. And, and that's, that's essentially worthiness, knowing that your voice matters and that you have something of value to contribute to a conversation. And just because other people in the room are let's say more or less um, far along upon on that corporate ladder than you are. Everyone has value as a human. So being open to both learning from people on all ends of the spectrum, but also delivering the value that you have too. Knowing that I'm an introvert, I kind of wish I had just come out of the closet sooner mm -hmm. in my career because sometimes I think people at work thought I didn't like them or something like that when really it was like I needed to go get away for 10 minutes in between meetings. I mean, what? how does an, uh, an introvert survive in this like open office layout setting that's so prevalent in our, obviously not during COVID, COVID's like an introvert's dream, but um when things go back to normal, do you have any tips or advice for that? Yeah. So, okay. So let's start with the open office floor plan. I've never been a huge fan of it because I tend to like to be really focused and in the zone when I'm engaged in work. And what the open office plan invites are random side conversations being pulled in this direction, that direction to, let's say, watch a cat video or work on another project. You know, it's hard to say which one it might be in one of those settings. So I, I will say that right now, while I, I don't know that it's necessarily an introvert's dream, this whole situation is really having a lot of people question their realities and their trajectories of their careers, of their lives. Uh, and that can be exciting for some people, scary for others. Sometimes I think the world needed to take a step back because I think we were all kind of running on this hamster wheel and it was a lot of like commuting to work, being in the office, you know, getting home and not taking that time to sort of think and reflect about what environment you're most effective or most productive in. Um, I know that I've been very productive because I've had all of this alone and quiet time and it's been special. Uh, so I don't know what the future of work is going to look like. Um, which I'd be curious, there's probably going to have to be a bunch of books helping extroverts in like the next cycle of things. So yeah, I, I think there's an reacclimation 
phase that's going to happen where some people will be ravenous and really ready. Okay, let's jump back in there. Let's go to concerts. Let's do all the things we used to do in a close physical proximity. Let's go. Other people, even when, or it is complaint, it's determined to be completely safe. You know, we may not get that 100%, okay, now all the doors are opening. I think it's gonna be more gradual and a little more gray area over an extended period of time. So with that gray area will come varying amounts of comfort levels socially. And when it comes to being in an office again, and it's just something that we'll need, we'll need to wait and see, but making sure that we are keeping our social skills sharp by engaging Zoom meetings, for example, is, is one of the next best things. Definitely. That's the podcast, but it's funny because, so the new introvert issue that I'm hearing is the, the constant zoom meeting, like back-to-back mm, zoom meetings all yeah. day can be equally as draining, which I think is interesting, but zoom fatigue is very real. Yes. How do you recommend dealing with zoom fatigue? So the solitude sandwich technique again is really invaluable when it comes to in-person or zoom meetings. There's a fallacy that if you are sitting in the same chair in the same place for hours and you have meetings that are back to back that, oh, that shouldn't be exhausting. All you're doing is sitting down and maybe you're not even actively engaging. Maybe you're watching a lecture or something. When the truth of the matter is, there is still an exertion of energy, your attention, and the added eye strain that can come with looking at a screen. Although I will still suggest when you have the opportunity, when you're actively interfacing with someone, it is useful to have camera on to maintain that sense of human connection that we don't get from looking off and in, into our, our space when we're on the phone, for example. Yeah, I found actually um, a Zoom meeting of writers for during COVID and it's wonderful because it's really casual and we've got like 15 minutes of networking and then we write and there's still that like face-to-face interaction, uh, which is kind of like a fun what little reward. About? That's awesome. I'm writing a murder thriller about corporate America. I'm very Ooh. excited about it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and obviously my blog too. There are different environments that we will react differently in. So having that understanding of, okay, I'm coming into this experience with my own set of past experiences And to identify how you feel, you know, is that the right environment for you or do you care to view it through a lens of, okay, this is an opportunity for me to try different coping skills Mm. to navigate this environment. And this isn't to be confused with if you are in a toxic environment and Uh. let's say hallmarks of a toxic environment would be put downs and gossip and um, where it's clear or there's an impression that people don't have each other's best interests at heart, that is certainly not something that I would say you need to acclimate to. But there, there are other things where there's this perception of, let's say someone being aggressive, when maybe they think they're being assertive, or maybe other people view them as being that way instead. Uh, just, yeah, getting clear on how your experiences can impact how you perceive how other people are showing up. And also observing patterns. And let's say if someone's having a hard day, they act one way one one day. Uh, but if they're not acting that way all the time, it's okay to let something slide. Uh, but then also knowing when it's healthy to initiate a conversation and not necessarily to lead with, hey, I noticed this, this is wrong. But to be curious, again, leading with curiosity and 
asking, Hey, so I noticed you said this and I'm wondering what you thought or what you felt or what your goal was and to leave it open-ended. And this isn't to say that you don't express yourself, but first you, you don't need people to put their defenses up when you're saying, this is how I judged you. <laughs> so just leaving it open-ended and saying, huh, okay. Are you interested in hearing my impression? Asking for, Hey, do you want my feedback? And if they're like, yeah, I do. Then you let them know, Hey, yeah, this is what it brought up for me. And if, if they say no, then, hmm, <laughs> then I guess you just kind of, um, you can, you can chalk it up there because <laughs> um, it, it's hard to give someone feedback that does not want it. It doesn't really serve anyone. I love that. That's really helpful. Yeah. I think in a roundabout way, my main question was like the people I saw struggling in that environment were people who didn't feel comfortable interrupting one another. And that was Mm -hmm. how the meeting was. Um, Meetings typically went. It was like the person who could get the most talking in, even if what they weren't saying was valuable. Um, And it was, that was a situation where I saw introverts kind of struggling a little. And I think your advice is great. I think that'll really help them. So I know we're going to wrap up. I have one more question. How can you make, especially when you have a limited amount of resources, and energy. How can you make networking really effective and and how does one network in the age of 2021? Yes. Okay. So in the age of 2021, networking is something that can be a priority. I know some people have entirely put it off their radars and they tell themselves, okay, when things reopen, I will, but no, it's not the time to stop. It's the time to be flexible and acclimate to the way that things are right now. And that means let's say going to a virtual event once a week and meeting someone at that event and setting up a 30 minute coffee chat virtually with them. So this is an opportunity to get creative and to to download apps. You know, there are a few apps that I mentioned in my book, Confident Introvert, that that can be helpful for for one-on-one connections like Lunch Club, Shaper, um, Bumble Biz, just to name a few. Sweet. I love those tactical tips and apps. So, um, where can people find you if they're interested in your services? Yes. Okay. So if you are interested in learning more about leadership and life coaching, then I would love to chat with you. What you'll want to do is go to stephanietoma.com slash coaching to apply for a one-on-one strategy session. And if you're interested in my book, Confident Introvert, you can look it up. It's on Amazon. It's also a quick Google search away at a lot of other online retailers. And I'd also like to offer your audience a freebie. Yes. Awesome. (laughs) So uh, I am in the process of launching a new program. It's totally free. It's a confidence activating subconscious meditation. So this is a free three week system that you'll be able to download and have real results from. So I'd love for you to go to stephanietoba.com slash freebie if that's intriguing to you. I'm so excited. I'm definitely doing that immediately. Thank you for the freebie. Of course. Yes. Thank you so much, Stephanie, for coming on the show. It was an absolute pleasure and delight to have you. I learned so much. 
Did you enjoy what Stephanie had to say? And if you're interested in learning more and getting the free gift she offered, be sure to check out our show notes either on moneyselfmade.com or in the notes on our YouTube channel. Thank you so much for tuning in as always, and be sure to check back next week. We've got a really exciting episode lined up, so you're definitely not going to want to miss it. As always, smash that like button if you enjoyed this episode and hit subscribe so you get notified when the next week's episode comes out. It's going to be a great one. Thank you so much for tuning in and I'll see you soon.